Good morning. Welcome to Morning Matters at 10. My name is Paul Myrant. I'll be your host today. Morning Matters is part of the Acts 17 Accord. The Acts 17 Accord is a ministry that's committed to preparing God's people to live righteous, spirit-filled lives to the end of the age. I want to apologize for last week. If you heard that video and it was all echoey, I had people, somebody said, what was the voice? What's with the voice of God? <laughs> Soundtrack. It was not intentional. I, I just had forgotten and left something on. I didn't know it till I'd actually listened to the recording. So I apologize for that. So today we're going to we're going to continue to go on with things. Uh, we've been talking about the last uh, five or six weeks. Other than the Christmas one, we talked about we're talking about really evolution, creationism, the age of the earth. You know what? What? How do you interpret Genesis? Why it matters? How you interpret Genesis? We did that last time. Uh, today we're going to continue with that talk, and I want to I want to do something that I I'm, I don't want to just brag or talk about myself, but I really need to tell you a little bit about myself and and about this podcast. Primarily, we are talking to believers, people who know that Jesus, know Jesus, believe in him, trust in him as their Lord and Savior. They've committed their lives to him. They believe in the Bible. They're already Christians. And I'm talking to the church because I believe that's part of my calling is to talk to the church and to try to bring unity over divisive issues. So what I'm trying to do is not attack your view. I'm trying to show you what the Bible actually says. That's my goal, not to just promote something and, you know, for some reason. I, I want you to try to understand at least my perspective and the perspective of a young earth, which is the, the perspective I come from. I'm not saying I don't care about non-believers. I do. I've been doing evangelism since I was about eight years old. I was saved at five in family devotions. I had a concern for my fa- friends and uh, at school when I started. I started at, a diverse, at age eight. I've shared the gospel with hundreds, maybe a couple thousand people over the years, maybe more. I can't keep track. I've been in a wet sauna and there's 10 or 12 people there. We're doing a little Bible study talking about some of these topics. Um, and so I've been involved in, in ministry really in some ways since I was a child. Um, if you are a non-believer, I have a couple blogs you can read, Five Reasons We Know a Creator Exists. And then a blog, God Has No Grandchildren, and I explain what a Christian is, what a Christian is. You can find those at acts17accord.com. I can stick that on the screen there for you, and, and you can see that. <clears throat> um, so if you want to know more, write me or talk to me. I'm happy to talk to you about it. Uh, this is not directed to you directly, but I think you could learn some things from it as well. I think it might be useful for you. Uh, again, I grew up in the church. I was saved at an early age. My dad was a seminary professor and a pastor. He started many churches, several churches over the years. We were part of that, all of that. I, as a teenager, o- older teenager and Bible student, I, I really became concerned about the age of the earth. And, you know, I would go to museums or, you know, any place and listen to the Discovery Channel, the History Channel. It's always, it's this many millions of years old and this. And I, you know, I didn't believe that. Of course, I thought the Bible clearly taught that the earth was young. So I struggled with having an answer and even a full understanding of what was going on. So probably in my late early 20s, I started studying this topic and reading about it. And I've probably spent overall about 40 years, 45 years maybe, uh, discussing and talking this. I still look at I still listen to videos. I still watch different points of view. I've watched the old earth point of view or the young earth. I've watched the atheistic scientist point of view and just a simple scientist point of view to understand all of the issues that are involved and not being a scientist that's sometimes difficult because you have to maybe read things five or six times then you finally understand what the guy's saying because it's like a different language (coughs) excuse me um so 
you know, I went to Bible college. I got my, my bachelor's degree in Bible and uh, vocal performance and piano um, from a Bible college. And then I went to Sal Talbot Seminary in, in uh, Southern California, Biola University. I got my master's degree there. And um, I started a church in, I think, 1992, right after I graduated, some, sometime in that range. I don't remember the exact dates, but I started church. I've been a pastor, pastor that full-time for 14 to 19 years. We were pastoring and, and involved in ministry there. I've been, been on staff a number of places. And I, again, I'm telling you this because I want you to understand I have some history with this. I'm not just coming you know, out of the blue to say that. You don't know me. None of you do, probably. And a few of you know me. But you don't know my history and what I've done. Uh, so I've, I've been involved in this for a long time. I wrote my first book. Again, this is, this is the book. It's called The Challenge of Evolution. Is there a creator? What is he like? And how did the, he create the universe? So I wrote a book which you know, starts with the concept of the existence of God, then his nature, and then, then the age of the earth. Because I think you can't figure out how the universe was created. You can't do that until you understand who God is. And so there's a logic for God. I believe that it's logical. It's not just faith-based at all. It's simply a good explanation, the best explanation for the existence of, of the heavens and the earth is there's a creator. Um, so that was my first book. By the way, you can't get that very well. You can you can get an online copy of it from me. I think if you go to the website, again, at Acts 17 Accord, you can order one. I think it's like five or six bucks, and we'll download it to your computer. Uh, the book itself is out of print. If you go to Amazon Books or maybe other places, you can find a used copy um, or a new one that I gave somebody, and they never read, and they just turned around and sold it. They made more money on it than I ever did, but that's okay. I wrote it, you know, because God told me to write it, and I wrote it, so... All right, so I have some background in this, and I want you to understand that I'm not here to divide the church. I don't believe that, you know, that you're not a Christian if you don't believe in a young earth. I don't believe that you're a heretic, per se, you know, or there's something wrong with you. I do believe you misunderstand the Bible, and I do believe that you've got some assumptions that are wrong, but you might think my assumptions are wrong. I think your assumptions are wrong, and we've talked about that over the past few weeks, about assumptions, prophecies of Peter, and so forth. So today I want to I want to explain to you what the word day means, but I also said I was giving you perspectives on what the word day means. So I want to just give you briefly, I mean, you could spend all kinds of time talking about all of these different views that exist. And there's 10 views, maybe more, of how you interpret it, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, especially the first few verses of chapter 2, but all of it, all of it, I guess. So the first one is the young earth creationist. That's the view I take. Um, it's a view that God created the earth in six consecutive solar days, literally 24-hour days. Uh, he added together, and if you take that, and then you add together the genealogies of Genesis 5 and 11. So there's a narrative that goes from creation story to Adam, his life, you know, and, you know, different things that happen. Then you have that he gives you a genealogy from Adam lived this number of years, 930, I think it was, um, you know, the date of all these humans, these primary human beings, and in God's eye, primary. So they each lived and had kids, and he gives you a specific genealogy of them. Then when Moses was, Adam was 130, he had his first child. You know, you just, you know, you go through this whole process, and, and you add it up, and it's, it's, it leads to uh, a universe, you know, about, uh, about 6,000 about that time was about 2,000 years between the creation of the universe and the establishment of the nation of Israel. And we know that Israel came into existence about 2,000 years before Christ, and we know that Christ was about 2,000 years ago. So that's the 
basis for it. So if you take a just straight reading of the text from Genesis 1 through chapter 11, you know, you have our really through chapter beginning of chapter 12 when Abraham came on the scene, um, you have 2,000 years. And that's about what it means. Does that mean, you know, for, for most people in the world today, that's just like nuts in their mind. But it is the only written record of the beginning of the universe to the nation of Israel. There's nowhere else. Nobody else has a written record. This is a very specific, detailed record that God gave us. Now, people will do all kinds of things with, you know, um, you know, it, it's it's not literal. It was a it's a it's figurative. It's a what's the word metaphor? They're all metaphors. Everything's a metaphor. So they can't handle the literal. So they say it's a metaphor. It didn't mean it or it was a poetry or it was just a story. It didn't really mean anything. But the Bible doesn't present itself as that. It presents itself as this or facts. Bop, 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 bop. Now, they're hard for us to believe. How can a man live 930 years? Well, I don't know why a man couldn't have lived forever. I think there was no reason for humans to die. They didn't die until sin entered the world. Entered, entered the world. That was what brought it about. And then after the flood, the entire earth was changed. Now, the Bible also teaches there was a global flood, global flood, very clearly taught. Again, if you just read the text, this is what it says. You know, people will pick at one verse, but they just, you got to take the whole thing. You can't just take one verse and try to change everything. It's very clear what it says. It's a clear narrative from the beginning to Genesis, uh, to the birth of Abraham and the birth of the nation of Israel. So again, this is all from a Judeo-Christian point of view. Is the Bible true? I believe it's true. I believe it's true for many reasons. And I'll just give you one, just the way it talks about the people in, talks about human beings, talks about the heroes of the faith. You know, the Bible doesn't hide, you know, what, uh, you know, what David did, I mean, or, or Abraham, Abraham lied twice about his wife, said she was his sister, deceived people. You know, David murdered a man or had a murder, had, had an affair with his wife and had him murdered. The Bible clearly talks about it. And then, of course, David was judged for that. It was a severe judgment. But all of, you know, all of these things, the Bible doesn't lie about it. The Bible tells us about sin and sin is everything. It's everywhere. <laughs> People all sin. Everybody's a liar, a thief, you know, uh, an adulterer in your heart at least. You know, there's all kinds of things that people do that are it's a very clear depiction of humanity that we wouldn't write ourselves. And I believe that came from God. Now, that's just one reason. There's a whole bunch I could give you. But I'm saying I believe the Bible's true and I believe it gives you a clear narrative from Genesis chapter 1 really through Genesis chapter 12. Um, it explains the division of the, of the nations and how the different languages came up. There's lots of things in there that seem to be very clearly narrative. So what happens is, because science has come up with this view that the Earth is 4.5 billion years old and that the universe is 13.9 or 7, I don't know what their latest number is, is these years old, then we have to somehow figure out how do we take the Bible's 6,000 years of time. And it's, again, the Bible doesn't say 6,000, but it gives you a pretty clear indication that that's the length of it. Part of it we just know from history. We know when Abraham began. We know when Israel began. And we know when Christ came, approximately. We don't know the exact dates, but we know pretty close. So that's a pretty clear thing. It's like, okay, this is these are contradictory statements at the very at the very core, they're extremely contradictory, the ages of the earth and the length of time. But what I think we need to understand is, so because of that, we have 
theologians who for many years, and I mean, I'm sure they're good hearted. I know you listen to a man like William Lane Craig, and he's so concerned about, you know, we're going to lose all these scientific people. They'll never believe because the Bible contradicts it. He even mocks young earthers and says, stop teaching this stuff, you know, and that's not uncommon. There's a lot of old earthers that feel that way. They mock young earth creationism. But I'm saying, look, if you take the Bible as your source and you're not looking at science, there's a clear contradiction, and the Bible clearly teaches a young earth in its entirety, in its projection. Now, you can, there are things that people do, and, I, and I'll look at, we'll look at a little bit of those just to kind of give you an overview of the different views that people have. So the first one, again, this is, <coughs> excuse me, the first one is the young earth. Uh, theistic evolution. Theistic evolution is the view that God created everything from molecules to modern people through completely natural processes. A little bit like what Darwin believed. I mean, Darwin was not an atheist. You know, Lyell was not an atheist, at least an outward atheist. But basically what they did is they took the whole creation of the universe. And I don't know how you really explain it. How did it get started? That's still the fundamental question. How did anything come about at all if God didn't supernaturally create it? Because God is a spirit. He's not physical like us. He's a spirit. I don't know how that actually... I've never seen a spirit. I don't know the, the you know, the texture and nature of a spirit but they're not physical you know they can walk through walls they can pass through time you know so they're they're different than us and god is outside of time the creator is outside of time and matter had to come into existence and the best explanation for that is the creator so how you how you take a natural process and do that they just believe in evolution but they say well i guess somehow god's behind it how and how that's different from not being behind it i don't really know but at least they're saying there's a God. Progressive creation, this is a pretty popular one now. It's a belief that God created the heavens and earth over a period of billions of years, not the six 24-hour days. <clears throat> that is the basis for traditional creationism. Progressive creations can be liberal or conservative in their theological belief system. They believe the Big Bang was God's way of producing stars and galaxies through billions of years in natural processes. The earth and the universe are billions of years old. Um... The days of creation were overlapping periods of millions and billions of years. So when it says day, it really meant, it could have meant any number of times. You can throw whatever number you want in there. Death and bloodshed, it came from the, existed from the very beginning of creation. You have to believe that because we had animals that died supposedly long before man came. It wasn't necessarily the result of Adam's sin. They, they reject the flood. They say it's a local flood, not a global flood. Basically opposes atheistic evolution and young earth creationism. So basically, they're just, again, it's, it's almost the same thing as theistic evolution. Somehow they're saying these things all happen naturally. I know Hugh Ross, who's a famous uh, progressive creation, he believes that everything evolved except for Adam and Eve, and God supernaturally created Adam and Eve. Okay, I mean, you can believe whatever you want, but you can't get that out of the text. You can't get, you can't get either one of these out of the text. You certainly can't. It's got a fairly good following. The other, one of the others, and it really covers a lot of different views, old earth creation, day age. Each day was an age of time, an epoch. We don't know how long, just it was that. That's what they believe. It, it really, I, mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, it really covers the same basic things. It just took lots of time. So what they do is instead of taking it six days, they take each day as, as long periods of time and, and allow for evolution to do that. I've said before in one of my other teachings that I don't think that works because it, it conflicts with the, what the Bible says about how God created the earth. You know, in, in uh, for Second Peter chapter 3, he says, 
that God created the earth, they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens and earth existed, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, not out of massive heated, you know, things everything heated and cooling over millions of years. And no, no, he said he created out of water by water, and he said he did it supernaturally. So again, it conflicts with with science. Now, one of the things that I think is important to understand. So if you take evolution as a worldview, whatever you believe happened in all of these lengths of time, when you get to the first day of Adam's life, or the first day that, I don't know, Adam, how did he, if, was he a child? Did he develop as a child? And did the guy, did he have many successive developments? There's so many questions about it, but let's say Adam is now an adult, right? What would the world be like if Adam was adult? Well, he'd have to have the sun, he'd have to have water, he'd have to have shelter, he'd have to have food. And he'd have to have Eve. So Eve would have had to develop alongside in a whole different line of evolution and get there at the same time. So they both had to be there. It couldn't be Adam and Evan. There would be, that would have been it. You had to have both of these things evolve. If you take the creationist point of view, what happened on the first day? Well, you had Adam as an adult, and Eve was there created as an adult. They were able to procreate. They had a son. They had the stars. You know, they had... They had shelter, they had food, water, everything they needed. So both of them get to the same point. The thing is that one of them says that it took millions and millions and millions of years, and it slowly progressed through a natural process. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Through this natural process. and But you end up at the same point. You still have to believe that somehow they got there and they were able to survive and, and thrive. So what's the point of evolution? Well, it's trying to explain everything from a purely natural perspective and not include the creator. So basically, you end up in the same place. The difference is time. It's always about time. Another, another view that's pretty popular is the gap theory. It's also called the ruin restoration theory or the recreation. And basically, it suggests that there's this huge gap of time between Genesis 1-1 uh, and Genesis 1-2. Okay. I mean, they take some verses in other places and, you know, they have all of these saying that. Again, it's conceivable. I understand why people believe it. Again, if you have to somehow prove that the Bible does get along with scientific worldview, you use something like this. If I actually believe the earth was billions of years old, maybe I would use it. But I don't think it's a good exegetical approach to the scriptures. Um, there's a couple other views that have been brought up. Um, one is that Genesis is poetry. The first, it's not a narrative, it's poetry. And that's just used by quite a few people. There was an interesting study done in, uh, by um, thousands, not billion, uh, the Rate Project, by a number of scientists. And they took some Hebrew scholars and they went through, they studied the words and compared narrative to you know, poetry, because there's certainly poetry in the Bible. We know there's different genre. Conceivably, it is poetry, but I don't think if you read it, and we're going to read it in a minute, that you see it as poetic. And you say, well, it's poetic in the Hebrew. Well, not really. Most Hebrew scholars would not consider it poetry. They would consider it narrative, a narrative. So that's another view. And then the final one that's kind of new to me was uh, Walter Kaiser presented this, Hugh Ross, I think, um, John Lennox holds to this, or maybe Stephen Meyer. I, I think a couple of them hold to this. And they basically say they take Genesis 1 
and on day the fourth day when the stars and where the sun and the moon and the stars were created they said that was the first day these others were long periods of time well okay even if that's true what do you do with the other days were they long periods of time or if the first day was it literally a day you know and it just it doesn't you know it's it's a good it's a different perspective at least and it's certainly held by some pretty common pretty smart people and it you know, but again, it's not just necessarily about smarts. It's about your suppositions. It's about what you're trying to do. All of these views have one thing, except for the young earth view, have one thing in common. Every one of them. And that they all add long ages of time into the text. They read them into the text. It's not in the text or into the theory behind what the text means. Uh, but biblical, biblical exegesis is different than that. Biblical exegesis, I mean, what they're trying to do, honestly with this is they're trying to apply the Bible before they've understood it fully, before they've looked at the whole thing. I mean, even if you believed in the gap theory, you still have, you know, what, five more consecutive days. And day one was a full day. Day two was a full day. So it's still six days. So if you throw that in there, I don't know what it changes in the, in the biblical record other than I somehow I have this huge long period of time that I can stick between verses one and two that allows me to feel better about my view in being in conflict with evolution. Right? I mean, that's kind of what they do. And that's what it does. But it's, that's not biblical exegesis. Um, before you apply the scriptures or interpret, interpret them directly, make a a decision about them, you have to understand what the author clearly meant. What did he say? A clear understanding of the text, which includes gen, um, you know, the um, language, understanding the language particularly, translation has to be proper, the historical context, the biblical context. What does the rest of the Bible say? You have to understand those things before you start applying them. Now, you could read the text and say, well, really, we think that there was these long periods of time that, that, that what, that's what they mean. But let's, we need to really look at the text itself. We need to understand what the text actually says. And I don't, I think it's, it's a dangerous to, to start reading things into the scripture at any point. I think probably most people would believe that. Um, but that doesn't mean they necessarily follow it exactly. Most of us believe you're not supposed to read things into the text. And I would think most people don't think that they are. Obviously, I don't think people are being dishonest about this. But anyway, these are the different views. And so let's, I'm going to read through a bunch of scriptures today, just because I think it's really important that we do, because we're going to figure out what the word day really means. And I think when you see this, I think it may help. It may help you some. And then we're going to read through Genesis. I hope we can get through it. What time is it doing to be here? Oh, man, we got to, we got to rush. I may have to do this next week. I may have to finish it next week. All right, so the word, the Hebrew word yom is translated in the English today. It means day. Uh, I mean, it's translated as day. It can mean more than one thing. And all these people telling me all week long, well, it can mean more than one thing. And somebody called me a false teacher, you know, because I was only doing this for money. I almost laughed at him. I told him, I said, I made a dime on this. I've spent several thousand dollars in equipment and countless hours, countless hours of time and energy just putting these things together. And it's a huge amount of work. And I don't have an engineer. I do this all by myself out of my bedroom. This is my, you can't see my bedroom, but I got all the studio here. Uh, I mean, you know, basically, that's why you had that echo chamber last week, because I'm doing this by myself. I have a friend who's helped me out some and, and some other people, but I mostly, they don't, they don't edit. I don't, I do this all on my own and I'm not making any money on it. So this is not about money. It's not about anything like that. But anyway, so we have the word yom. It's the English word for day. 
it can refer to a 24-hour period of time that takes the Earth to rotate on its axis. 24 hours, we know that. Everybody believes that. There are 24 hours in a day. It can refer to the period of daylight between dawn and dusk, right? We call daylight and night. But it still represents 24 hours. If you say day and night, it's 24 hours. It gets pretty hot during the day, but it cools down a bit at night. So, yeah, I mean, it's not, the, it's not saying 24 hours, but it's saying half of 24 hours. It gets. Uh, it can re re refer to an unspecified. Unspec it can refer to an unspecified period of time. Back in my grandfather's day, it used to be this way. The the word yom occurs 2,300 times in the Old Testament. Um, so it occurs 2,300 times. 410 times it occurs the word yom or day with the numeral. And that's outside of Genesis 1, 5 through 2, 2. All of these times the word day is used with a numeral, a numeral. And almost absolutely every time it means a 24-hour period of time. Let's just, but let's look at a couple. I want to, I want to read some of these to you. Genesis 2, 4. It says that this is after the creation. It's really the beginning, the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. He says, and it might be actually the beginning of it. It says, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. Now, that could be referring back to Genesis 1 or could be referring forward, but I think it means backwards. In the day that, in the day that the Lord created, the, that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. So, the, and the day, that, well, he didn't make it in a day, right? He made it in Six days, according to the text, right? So he's using the word day there to refer to a period of time. Now, it's not an unknown period of time. Now, how long each day is may still be up in the air, but he's referring to the day of creation, meaning this period of six days in which he created everything else. So it's a summary. He's using, one, he's using the word day to summarize six days. He could have said in the six days that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, but he just said in the day. So that's another use of the word day that doesn't, that would not be, it's not referring to a 24-hour period. And it's clear, isn't it? I mean, it's not like, going, oh, what does that mean? No, it, it means clearly from the context and just reading the verse. Let me tell you something. You can take all of these verses, and you'll find different translations. They'll sometimes extend day and make, make a little different meaning of it. But it's not a different idea. It's always a day. Genesis 3, 5, For God knows that the day you eat from it, talking about Adam to Adam and Eve, your eyes will be open and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. Now, is he talking about a specific time or a specific day? In the day that you eat it. Again, there's a definition. The day. There's a definite article in me. It's in the day. And it's in the text. In the day. The moment. That's a 24-hour period of time. Now, the extension of that is huge. The application to that goes on and on and on. We're still in the, in the effects of that day. But that day was a specific day. Verse 3, 8, Genesis 3, 8. Now they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. Right? Well, okay. In the cool of the day. What is he talking about? Is that a period of unknown length? Well, no. It's in the daylight period when it was cool. When it had cooled down. But it was still in the daylight period. It wasn't. It doesn't mean some other thing. And there's, again, there's the definite article there. And Genesis 4, 14. Adam says, But you have driven me this day... Oh, no. Cain says... He says, Behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the earth. You drove me out today, this day. Was there a specific time when he was driven out? Yeah, it started at this point. God said, Now you're driven out. That day it took place. Did it have, again, an extension? Of course. But it's a definite article. And that day you did it. Genesis 5.1, On the day, 5.1 and 2, On the day when God created a man, 
He made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. And he blessed them and named them mankind on the day when they were created. The day, again, definite article. Did he make them over billions of years and they kind of evolved? No, he made them on a day. That's what it means. He made them specifically. That's what the text says. Again, you can believe what you want, but that's what the text says. And the Lord saw the wickedness of mankind was great on the earth and that every intent, this is Genesis 6, 5, of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil evil all the day. Now, uh, a lot of times they, can, they translate it continually, right? All day long. So now here day has really both meanings, right? Because it would have been every day, all day long. So he's talking about every 24-hour period, they were continually thinking evil thoughts. That's where they were at. They were continually doing it. But it refers to a long period of time. So it kind of has a little bit of both there. It is a long period of time. They were always that way. They were always going through that. So it's a synonym for a period of time and also a, a literal day. It means a literal day. Genesis 7, 4. Or after seven more days, he says, after seven more days, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. I will wipe out from the face of the earth every living thing that I have made. Now, if you don't believe in the flood, you're going to try to get around this verse, that it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Again, it's almost like evening in the morning. He's saying 24-hour period. It rained for 40 24-hour periods of time, and he defines it very clearly by saying day and night, for 40 days and 40 nights. Well, is it more than 40 days? 24-hour periods? No, it's 24, it's 40 24-hour periods. So the earth was deluged and rained for 40 days and nights. There are lots of things going on there. Right? But again, it's a very clear what he means, he means 40 days. Now, if you don't believe that, then you're going to have to somehow, you know, mythological or, you know, come up with some different view of it that doesn't literally take it. But it, I'm just reading the text. It just says that. All of these are pretty clear, you know. On the 27th, verse 11, 711. <laughs> on the 27th day of the month, on this day, all the springs of the abyss broke forth. The 27th, how more specific can you get? Was well, 27 metaphorical for something? Is this all metaphor? Well, what does it mean? You've got to come up with a metaphor for everything. If you don't mean that he literally, on the 27th day of the month, all the springs of the earth broke forth. Well, what does that mean? Well, we may not know that exactly, but we think we do. Is that the crust of the earth broke forth, water came out, volcanic activity began in rapid. They built huge mountains underneath the sea. Okay. Genesis 7, 12, 40 days it rained. 7, 13, the very day they entered the ark. Talk about it. No one understand me. On this very day. Definite articles. Very specific. On this 24-hour period, during this day, from sunrise to sunrise again, somehow they went and in on that day. They didn't, didn't mean an epoch of time. Then it says in 7, 24, the water prevailed upon the earth for 150 days. It's 150 24-hour periods of day and night. He didn't say day and night, but that's what it means. And then 8.14, on the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. So he's talking about a specific day that it happened, the second month, the 27th day of the month. Now, I don't know, how, how clear, what, what can that mean? 
How do you mythologic? How do you myth, make that a myth or or a, 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 a metaphor? Genesis eight twenty two. He says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer cold and heat, summer and winter, all day and night shall not cease. The earth will remain all day and night. Again, he's taking the day to mean the daylight time and night, but he's still talking about a twenty four hour period. Genesis nineteen. The firstborn, this is talking about, uh, I think it was, <clears throat> it must be for um, Lot's children, grandchildren. The firstborn gave birth to a son and named him Moab. He's the father of the Moabites to this day. So what does that mean? Well, he was writing on a specific day, but he meant more than that. He meant till this time, right? So day does not mean necessarily a 24-hour period. It, it means to this point in time, and around us, sometime before, he's always been that way. So he's talking about a long period of time and a time that actually extends beyond the day. So there he's using it in, a, in not a metaphorical, but in a sense, just it has a different meaning. As for the younger, she also gave birth to a son and named him Ben-Ami. He is the father of the sons of Adam, Ammon to this day. Again, the same idea. So it's a period of time clear. I don't have to, I don't have, to have a Hebrew degree to understand what that means. This is an accurate translation. Take any, 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 take any interlinear and look at it. Check it out. See what they how they interpret it. Look at every text on earth. They're going to say virtually the same thing. Now, in Genesis 22, Abraham was sent with his son Isaac. He was supposed to sacrifice him to the Lord. And, you know, it was a test for Abraham. It was a test of his faith. Um, so Abraham went and Abraham named the place that they, find, they, they landed the Lord will provide as it is said to this day again day is a period of time it's not necessarily a 24 hour period even though he's writing on a day he didn't mean that day he's meant, meant a period of time on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided and, and actually that verse was after this one I got it mixed up but Genesis 22 4 says Abraham and Isaac this is about them on the third day of his journey he saw the place the third day what does he mean there well he means literally on the third day the, 20, the third 24 hour period of time that they were traveling on that day he saw the place in twenty two fourteen. he's talking about it as a period of time so we can see these words but my, what I want you to hear about them is how, how clear they are and, what, and how they really work <clears throat> um, there's so many here. <clears throat> uh, the death of Jacob in Genesis 50. Now, 40 days were required for the mourning. For, a such, for such is the period required for embalming. So they took 40 days to embalm it. And at, while that was going on, the Egyptians wept for him 70 days. So they were grieving for the death of Jacob. And Joseph, that he was so well regarded in the Egyptian you know, world that they were mourning for his father who died. And again, 78 days, 70, 24 hour periods of time. It's not 70 epochs. Um, again, in Genesis 50, 20, um, Joseph is talking to his brothers and, and uh, talks about what they did to him. And he says, well, you meant it for evil, but God did it to, to preserve us to this day. So again, it's there's a literal 24-hour time when he's talking, but he means even beyond that. You, you, it, this, is, this is an epoch. 
He did it to preserve the nation for all the days going forth. But isn't that clear to you? I mean, I don't know how, how we can really look at that in any other way. And I, I could go through, there's again, there's 2,300 times where the day is used. I want to just, you know, we're really, I don't want to go much longer. I think I'm going to stop and we'll finish this next week. So this will be part one, all right? I'm explaining to you what, how the word day is used, the different views on it, the different perspectives on it. My perspective is of a, as of a young earth that, that the days are literal. So next week we'll go into the detail of Genesis chapter 1. And I'll explain to you how you see for yourself the plain reading of the text. Not the quote-unquote the literal. They do the same with literal. Oh, literal. You just mean everything is literal in the Bible. Well, that's nonsense. Nobody believes that. No one believes that. There are many figurative things. There's many genres of, of, of literature in, in the text itself. So I don't believe everything is literal at all, but I believe everything has meaning. Parables aren't literal, but they tell a clear story. It's not like you have to figure out. Sometimes you have to figure out what they mean because they're hard to understand. But, but there is a reason why he used the story that way. And this is the point of it is the language of the Bible is not all that unclear. It's not all that hard. The problem goes back to the age of the earth. The problem goes back to how do you resolve 6,000 clearly delineated period of time using history and the Bible, known history. I mean, there's all kinds of history before that, right? Well, we have the cavemen, we have the, you know, all these people, you know, that, you know, all of those things that people bring up as if it's fact, but it's not fact. It's, it's uh, an opinion. It's theories about these things. They're not facts because dating techniques are flawed and we don't know. You know it's, it, it, I'm not saying there's not evidence, but I'm saying the evidence, in my opinion, is very flawed. And in the opinion of many, many scientists, many scientists completely dis disagree with it. I've had a scientific a friend who was, uh, my kids were younger, he was a science, high school science teacher. And I had him read thousands, not billions. And I said, well, what do you think? He says, yeah, it's pretty clear that these things aren't, the age is the age of the earth and all these things have many problems. And I think any scientist that's honest and reads those things, they will come to the same conclusions. What normally happens if, like, this is kind of what some of these old earthers do, they, they will, you mention something and they'll go to the guy who's writing and they'll just criticize the guy who's writing rather than answering the questions that he have. I don't, I'm not supporting any of these young earthers as you know, my pastor or somebody that I trust every word. I'm listening to the evidence that I see myself. I'm observing the earth. I'm observing the things that I can. And I believe that there's clear evidence that we don't have an old earth. But that's the foundational difference between young earth creationism and old earth creationism, which all of these other views really trying to fit within old earth creationism. They all believe science has told the truth and that science is right. Now, I'm not saying to you that science is intentionally lying, but I believe that science has made assumptions that are untrue. And we've looked at that in detail from 2 Peter chapter 3. Go back and listen to some of the other videos. I think if you, if you really question what I'm saying, listen to the, is this the greatest lie ever told? And then uh, the last couple of videos I did on, on, on Genesis. We'll come back next week because there's still more to cover. I really want to go through the word day in Genesis and, and just see if we can figure out exactly how that's, how that's used. Anyway, it's great to be with you today. Thank you for, thank you for joining us. I just pray that God will bless you. We'd love it if you would uh, log on 
to the website and subscribe, that you'd go to Facebook and you'd like and follow, or you go to, to YouTube and, and subscribe there. We need your support uh, as far as that goes. And we appreciate if you're a believer and, and uh, we just really love for you to pray for us. And, you know, I told you earlier, we don't make any money on this at all. This is all out of our pocket. We've had a few people donate some money to us over the years. Uh, not much recently, but whatever they've donated has helped. It's given us a little bit of foundation, but we can always use your resources. So if you want to help us out, that would be great. Lord bless you. You have a great day. And just pray that God would, um, sorry, I'm going to get to this program here. Uh, just pray that you'd have a great day and God would bless you. And we'll see you next week, 10 a.m. Mountain Time every week. And you can get these on the website. They're, they're loaded. They're on uh, all kinds of podcasts, Podbean, Apple, um, Sound, uh, SoundCloud, what else are there on? Oh, Spotify. You can find the podcast of these, and you can find all the videos on the, you, my YouTube channel, Act 17 Accord YouTube channel. You'll find the videos are uploaded. This will be uploaded in a day or so. It takes me a little while to get to it. But um, anyway, have a great day. Bye-bye.